to head on goal, and Jordan Morris has done it. Appealing in vain for offside, the Chicago Fire defenders. Jordan Morris from the doorstep saves the day for the Sounders. the other way. Look who's running hard after defensively. Wayne Rooney, the net is empty. Big collision by the captain. That is unbelievable effort. Rooney putting one up. Bacosta. The Stateside Soccer Show with Logan and Jordan. Hello and welcome to the Stateside Soccer Show. My name is Jordan Wiegand and with me today is Orlando City Soccer Club season ticket holder for 2021 season, uh, Orlando Pride Stan, Logan Stump. Water is wet today. Isn't it always? Especially here in Orlando. Is it raining? No, 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 no. Vanderwater. Maybe, maybe. Oh, okay. Yeah, there, see. I I completely lost you on that one, and I'm sorry. (laughs) Yeah, I was like, uh, (laughs) is it raining? I mean, it was nice and sunny up here today. Actually, a lot of the snow is melting, so. That's good. I I mean, I know a lot of the country is getting back to preseason training, especially the CCL teams, um, and they're just taking pictures of snow, so it's brutal. Um, (laughs) I can imagine being like those Midwest teams that got to start up training here in a week or so. No, yeah, they're going to have to go somewhere else, I think. Um, usually they, they do stuff in like Florida or California for some of these teams. Some of them are coming to Orlando. Yeah. So that would be cool. Yeah, so uh, today we're going to be talking some She Believes Cup as the women, uh, U.S. women's team have defeated Brazil 2-0. We'll get to that and what they look what it's looking like for them tomorrow to actually win the cup here uh, as we record this on Tuesday. We're going to talk Orlando City's newest signing that was made official and rumored a few days ago. And we're going to talk this Portland Timbers kit that has the internet all hot and bothered. And uh, maybe, I think there's one other topic, Oh, the World Cup qualifiers. Uh, that are supposed to start in March for some nations. We'll kind of talk about the plan for Canada in that respect, because we're not just an American podcast. We are a North American podcast. So let's go ahead and start it all off with this signing of Sylvester Vanderwater. Is that right? Vanderwater. Oh yeah, that's okay. Yeah, it's got the Vater, yeah, it's like got the the, uh, the Dutch Germans. Yes. Type. Yeah. Yep. Uh, I just watched a highlight highlight video of his from when he was at Heracles. Yeah, me, me too. In, yeah. in the Netherlands, yep. was it his assistant goals video? Yes, it was. It was yes. his assistant goals video. That's awesome. Yeah. yeah, it was. It was a good. Uh, see, we didn't even plan that. It was a good uh, combination of stuff there. I thought you know 
you know, when they first announced he was a forward, I thought maybe another striker. But, you know, reading some other stuff, it looks like he was a winger and watching some of his clips. He was a winger that could really whip the ball in, but he would also cut inside sometimes and get that pass and, and uh, you know, curl the ball into the back of the net. How excited are you for this one, Logan? Yeah, so I was watching the highlights, and, uh, you know, somebody, I think it's dominant foot's left-footed. Um, he, he looks nice on the ball. He, he likes to come inside a lot. Um, he nutmegged one uh, that I saw really quick. Um, it's got good pace. He When he gets the nutmeg, he puts it through, and he's quick on the ball as a defender's trying to chase him down. But he, he gets around defenders pretty easily. He looks real smooth. I, I like the way that he looks when he's controlling the ball and going through that you know, that area of attack and then through the box, he put in a couple of nice crosses and, and he's good um, getting guys in front of the net, especially if, you know, DK comes back or Pato's playing there or whoever is going to be in that starting spot, whether it's Michelle or um, guys like that. So it's, you know, it's going to be awesome because I think one thing that they're definitely looking at, um, and I think it's pretty obvious with the additions that they've made, I, I think DK uh, eventually obviously moves on and Chris Mueller also moves on. So I think that they're looking at people that can step into some of those roles, get some minutes and, and see what they can do. Because I think that when you look at it, that team is pretty heavy on the attack. Um, a, a team that's pretty stacked, that's got a lot of options that, you know, this is just adding more depth to that attack. And I think that that's something that city can look forward to going forward and, and implementing is that depth and, and run teams through. Because I think that, with this addition, they they've added a nice piece that can that can make them that you know top four spots in the East. So I, I'm excited. I, I really like this skill, and I and 24 years old, he's right at the the age where you can come into your prime and and really show what you've got. So I think that this is a good move for Orlando. Yeah, usually you know uh, if you follow the the Dutch league, the era did era you know is not the best defensively. Lots of attacking, lots of scoring. Right. Uh, but MLS Similar. has some defensive <laughs> issues as well. So you yeah. would hope that uh, this is going to translate for him. You know, it might take a bit to actually adjust because I do think he's going to come across some some better quality players at times. You know, the, the Netherlands is full of a lot of young, promising stars. He's going to have to go up against, you know, players that are uh, either coming over from Europe or South America at young ages to go over to Europe or more older experienced players that are coming over here. So, uh, but I, but I like this move. Um, you know, the East teams that are doing things right now are Columbus who've made themselves better with Bradley Wright Phillips. Like they needed a, a striker. That's wonderful. Um, signing, uh, Kevin Molino from Minnesota United, uh, getting, um, or Orlando getting, uh, quite a few signings, uh, Pato and uh, Van der Vader. and uh, Atlanta, who's going to be fielding a lot of a lot of new players. So, with a new coach, uh, we'll get to it when we preview those teams and when we preview the season and stuff. But it's making the rest of the East teams look really bad. You got the two New York teams who have not put any money in, depend even though they're in the one of the biggest markets in the world this offseason that they've not signed really anybody of note and actually new york city lost um you know alexander ring to to austin and you have philly who won the supporter shield who actually lost mckenzie and aronson and yes they're going to promote some players from the from the youth 
and, and such like Paxton Aronson and uh, you know, maybe fill in uh, Fontana is going to probably have a larger role as well, but it makes you wonder, you know, one, they won the supporter shield in a season where it's kind of odd. They didn't have to face every team in the East. They faced new England a lot of the times and beat them most of the time to actually get that supporter shield and then lost to them in the playoffs. So it's a little worrying as a union fan, not seeing a lot of movement there. I'm not saying that Jim Curtin's not going to have them prepared. It's just one of those things that you see all these other teams spending and, uh, you know, not a lot of spending uh, going on on the rest of the East right now, uh, other than those three teams. And for me, that's a little worrying that these three teams are going to be just above and beyond uh, the rest of the teams in the East. You forgot about Cincinnati. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Cincinnati, with their uh, new stadium and their uh, their their big signings they're trying to get. Uh, so stadium. you get new players with new stadiums because it's really shiny. Yeah, it's a really nice stadium, though. It really is. Like, I want to go there. I want to go it there. It's like Europe. Like it does. The, the even the little houses around it. <laughs> houses next to it are like those duplexes that that just scream Europe and the snow sitting in there. And I think what really gives it away is that lion that's sitting in there. Is that, I guess it's a lion um, that he yeah. just sit there. What is, is it a griffin? Is that what they are? Got a I don't think so. I think it's just, it does it have wings. I'm yeah, it's got wings, it. like a lion with wings and a sword. And I think that's usually a griffin, right? Uh, like a um, griffin. Yeah. I don't know. Maybe it is. I like their logo. But I, I, I like know, their older I logo better. If you look at the yeah. US logo, I yeah, really I saw it look better. Yeah. Um, yeah, I think it is a griffin, which is a lion with wings. Is pretty much what a griffin is. But that, like that thing that they have on their logo, or that logo on their seats, uh, just the aerial shot of it, it just looks so European. Uh, I really oh, okay, like it's actually it. a winged lion of Saint Mark the Evangelist. Oh. Yeah, see, learning stuff every day. Yeah, uh, which uh, I think that has some sort of link to the city of Cincinnati. But yes, uh, that is what they what they are. I'm not a Cincinnatian. We're gonna have to ask them all about it when we get somebody on right. here. Um, I hope everybody has enjoyed our season previews. I feel like we've had some really great guests. And uh, we're hoping to have many more here as we continue our way through the Western Conference. We don't have any updates on that at the moment, but I just think that next week is probably going to be very busy for us <laughs> as we yep, try to get done the West on how many, and start moving <laughs> towards the East. <laughs> depending on how many we can get, um, I'm hoping that I, I'm hoping I can get some people in for Saturday. So let's just hope. Moving on, uh, we have. Uh, some kit news, right? Uh, Minnesota re- released oh, yes. a t- little teaser of theirs, which is in a block of ice or something like that. I'm guessing it's going to be one of their light blue colors that they have, that they've had with the gray before, uh, which might be <clears throat> nice. I just got a Minnesota white kit, actually, from Ross, and it's authentic, actually, too. It's one of the authentic ones. I got it for $12. So everybody make sure you're checking your Ross. I saw some Atlanta kits. I saw some Minnesota. I saw a Nashville polo. I saw a Philadelphia Union polo. Uh, none of them were my size. And then uh, you saw some Orlando stuff. So, like, uh, go check your Ross because with the way that the jerseys work out where all these are every two years, 
there are a lot of kits that are, you know, expiring that two-year deal and and going into the uh, going into the discount stores because uh, they either didn't sell them a lot at the you know other shops and now they're discounted. So make sure you're checking those. That's where I get a lot of my MLS swag and it's it's nice. Uh, but uh, we also saw Timbers officially unveil their jersey. It's kind of got the internet divided here. Um, they did advise it is a, you know, reference to their first MLS kit, which was half green, half white. But I would say that looks a lot better than this half green, black or half green, dark green that they got going on. What was your th- thoughts on the on the Portland Timbers home jersey? You see, I uh, and going through the internet, um, I, I think I saw more. <laughs> I don't know if they were Portland fans, but people that definitely like the kit. But I think that on this podcast, we're not we're not really divided on the thoughts. I I don't really care much for it. I think I, honestly, I think what it is, it's that dark green. Like it it throws me off. I don't know. I, I think it's that same color that the Mariners used to use. That blue is kind of almost like a bluish green. I don't know how to describe that, but. I don't know. I don't really like that. I don't like the the kind of like the stitching. It looks kind of strange, but I do like the collar. That's one thing that I think that is interesting. Um, definitely something that's a reference back to those jerseys before. I think it was 2011 where they had like the where they said that they had like the collar with the um, neck tape. I don't know, but I don't know. It, it's definitely different. I, I will say one thing: TikToks on the sleeve, and that was a big deal. It seems like to be the thing that their marketing department was pushing because of TikTok's uh, claim to the last year or so of our lives. So I know there's a nod to TikTok and they're the first, they're actually the first uh, professional sports team to have TikTok as a sponsor on their jersey. So that's pretty interesting. Yeah, i uh not a big fan of it. Um, I, I really do think, I know people are tired of some of these plain jerseys. But for me, when you have a classic uh, jersey like the Timbers do. I, I don't think you should really screw it up much. What I did like about like the original uh, Timbers jersey and such is that they used to have like the green sleeves. You know, like Arsenal has red body, white sleeves. Right. Um, this was like green body, white sleeves that they had before. I think I said green sleeves. I mean white sleeves. Um, and uh, they and their away kit was like an Arsenal one with the red and the white. But I think that looks that's way you can change it up without it being, you know, all weird and, and crazy. Um, I, I'm just happy I got my Portland kit when I did. Uh, I know Seattle fans have not been happy with their green ones lately, and I think that they look fine. Uh, I really like Seattle's look. Um, so for, for me, there's just the same way I look at a Chelsea or United kit, and I think those are what those teams are blue shirt uh red you know red shirt for united should be simple uh should not take a lot of effort to you know they do some little designs on every so often to change it and sometimes it makes it look worse sometimes it makes it look better like i really like this year's chelsea kit when i didn't like the one when pulisic first got there last year so it's you know it's all going to come down to preference but for you and I, I just don't think this really hit the mark. And I was actually disappointed by it because I actually think Portland has not really had a bad jersey the whole time I've been watching them in this league. So this is one of those times where I'm like, oh, not a not a big fan of this one. 
yeah, I agree. That it, it just didn't hit me like I, I think honestly because I got so hyped over the Minnesota one because I, I really like the Norwegian kit that they're wearing the national team because it's kind of like that ice uh, blue. Uh, I think that Minnesota's going that same kind of way. That river of it's that blue river. It's that ice. It's that you know up in the cold. Um, plus they're going to be a good team. So I think it. I don't know. It just has this weird like Icelandic. I was a big Mighty Ducks fan, so that's what I immediately thought of is like this icy cold blue jersey that's just going to be flying all over the pitch um so you know i think i was hyped up on that and then i saw this one i was like me <laughs> not as good <laughs> but i do like that they're trying i will say that from what you said uh it seems like they are now branching out especially with what i mean philly broke the world uh, your team broke the world with their new kid so i think that these other teams are just going to live in the shadows of philly for this year just call up hummel u.s Get the Bobcats go. on the line and have them make your kits because these three Maryland ones for the Bobcats are just fantastic. So I, I'd like to see more similar to that. And even then, there, some of them are just very – like the white Maryland one is right. just very basic, but it's got yep. the flag in the background. Like that looks nice. You know, you got the black uh, Bobcats kit that has like the Bobcat stripes on it. You know, like there, there's just little things to it that – can make it set apart without it being you know i just think it's weird to have two different colors on your on your shirt and almost like fake stitches on it it's it's weird but anyway let's move on to some of these uh got uh steven goff here from the washington post fun story i interviewed him before at soccer insider on twitter.com what uh yeah, yeah. When we were uh, not like over the phone, I interviewed him via email, but there was um, I took a journalism class and they wanted us to reach out to somebody in media and ask them some questions. And since he covered soccer and I was in college and soccer is my favorite sport, I was like, oh, I, I really like his stuff. He's kind of local. I'll ask him if he can uh, answer my questions. And he did. So I'm really appreciative of that. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's really cool. Um. He broke the news here, or, you know, Canada announced it, and this is the first place I saw it. Canada announced that their first World Cup men's qualifier, which is March 25th, only like a month away, versus Bermuda, is going to be played in Orlando behind closed doors, and that's going to be a home match for Canada, and that they will also have away qualifiers against the Cayman Islands on March 28th, and Aruba June 5th, and a home game against Suriname. Uh, is that right? Did I say it right? June 8th. Yeah, that sounds right. So, uh, Orlando is just everybody's home, I guess. Nation Stadium. That's what not Grant even Wall the name. It. It's every nation stadium. Right. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> it belongs to everyone. We are an open arms kind of community here in Orlando. But uh, it's just exciting to know that there's World Cup qualifiers starting next Nuts. month. Yeah. Just in a week, we'll be able to say that it is uh, this month. So that's kind of crazy to say there. Um, and we have uh, She Believes Cup numbers as we transition to the She Believes Cup uh, for the U.S. women's na- game versus Brazil on Sunday afternoon on FS1 averaged 568,000 viewers, which is the most watched She Believes Cup match ever and the third most watched U.S. women's national team match that was not a World Cup game on FS1. The top five markets were San Diego, Washington, D.C., Cincinnati, Portland, and Kansas City. 
So uh, big success for this year's She Believes Cup. Um, for whatever reason, uh, you know, it, it is not like the most competitive one in the sense of uh, they're going to be doing a lot of testing out for the Olympics. But I think there's just this void that needs to be filled for the national team right now. And the men's games are always like almost like mid-afternoon or, or a weeknight right now when they're playing due to the FIFA calendar. So the fact that these games are a tournament and they're on the weekends at times, like, you know, that game was a Sunday afternoon, no more football. Uh, really good for the for the game and really good for the women's national team. It's interesting to listen to those markets that it, it popped up in and all of those teams, I believe, have a men's team um that gets a lot of fan base and it's got a women's uh, you know a lot of these are women's teams too um except san diego like san diego and cincinnati have, i don't think since, yeah, he, has, since he doesn't have the but women's kansas team. city just got theirs back right. i think their team left to go to utah right. and is part of the rsl sale and they are now moving back to kansas city yeah. my point is just we're, we're looking to yeah. add expansion teams and san diego is the one that's kind of out there that you know, that's a lot of California teams, but there's always a lot of California teams in sports. So that's interesting because when you look at it, I honestly think that, that that would be a beautiful city to play in. I just don't know if the fan base is, if it's anything like the other sports that, that have left San Diego uh, to go to Los Angeles. I don't know, but I, it sounds like soccer in a lot of these markets does a lot better than other sports like L.A. Cause well, LA, San Diego, I, what they have really is the fact that they're really close to the Mexican border. Right. So you do get a lot of uh, Mexicans that have migrated over right. to uh, San Diego and watch games there. Um, so... Yeah, San Diego would be probably a really good MLS city as well, but you'd have to try to convince some of those uh, Mexicans who have moved over here to mm-hmm. um, support an American team instead right. of you know watching uh, Chivas or uh, Club America, Leon right. or one I mean, of those them, Tigres. Right, even even them talking about like I, I think they're gonna most of those will bounce to LA either. Uh, I, I think a lot of LAFC and um, San Jose area and uh, the Galaxy, like I think those are all teams that they bounce kind of to. So I think that's another thing that it would be kind of challenging in San Diego. So let's move on. She, she believes Cup. The U.S. women won over Brazil 2-0. 11 minutes in, Kristen Press scores a fantastic goal. And then in the 88th minute, Megan Rapino scores to make it 2-0. Uh, what were your overall impressions of the match as it looks like you were able to watch it after you recorded it? Yeah, so I was keeping up with it through you and through Twitter when it was initially on, but I recorded it so I could do my homework on it. Right away, yeah, you could just tell it was kind of like the leftovers from Canada. It was fast-paced, very open, and they said they would be. I mean, Brazil's a very open team. They're very attack-minded Um and I think that the United States knows that. And I think there was an emphasis on, like, let's get out and run with them. Uh, let's open this up a little bit. Because I think if you start that lineup that started against Canada with Rapino and uh, Carly Lloyd and them up top, I think you're seeing a lot of, uh, you know, methodical, tactical, passing, possession ball. Whereas I think in this game, you needed to come out with a lot of firepower. And they did. Um, I was really impressed with how quick they came out, how fresh they looked, how 
you know, with very little time together over the last year or so, how quickly they've seemed to have put things back together pretty easily, which I think a lot of people forget. <laughs> they want to be such hard critics on the fact that this team just doesn't look as sharp as they normally do. But also remember, half these people haven't played for ever. They're in their off season if they're playing NWSL. So it's, you know, they, they're getting back into form and trying to figure it out. And people are coming from their European teams who had been playing all, you know, this whole time. So it's it's difficult. And I think that they did a nice job coming out. I thought that their mindset, I thought that they had a good uh, game plan going into it. And I think that they executed it really well to start this game. Yeah, uh, the start the game, I was happy to see the three subs, you know, that came in late right. uh, last time. We're, we're starting Kristen Press, Morgan, and um, and uh, Rose Lavelle. So that was great to see. And uh, they did start off kind of high tempo. We were able to get it moving because we had the speed. We were able to go. It wasn't as slow as that Canada match. Uh, the only thing I will have to say is I'm not so sure about the subs later on when we get to the second half. Um, because, well, let's also say in the first half, there were some chances for Brazil to really do this as well. We had, you know, Crystal Dunn was, was flying all over the place to playing good defense and offense. She was fantastic in the match. And, uh, Brazil had some chances to to put it away. Uh, It seems like sometimes they were just a little too hesitant, taking too many touches where it gives the defenders a chance to come in and, you know, win the ball. And uh, some great saves by Alyssa Nair as well um, to to deny uh, the Brazilians a goal. Moving on to the second half, you know, at some point here, I forget when exactly they came on, but you get Carly Lloyd coming in. You get uh, Rapino coming in. And I think once that happened, we lost something again, right? Like I understand Rapino scores the 88th minute goal. That was good positioning. She was able to to win the ball there, and she's fine for that spot. But if you're going to have her in there trying to like run at defenders, it's going to get a little more troubling because she just doesn't have the speed anymore. And uh, it, it just looks like we immediately lost something with that. And I get it. You know, some of these players had to get taken out of the match as well because you know Kristen Press was probably exhausted with all of her running. Alex Morgan's not all the way up to snuff yet. Um, Carly Lloyd, I think, is only two games away from 300 appearances, so I'm assuming they're trying to get her to those as well, especially since this tournament doesn't really mean anything. Uh, But ultimately, you can't complain. I don't think you can complain about this match. It finishes 2-0. It was really kind of nervy at the end when it was still 1-0 before Rubino puts it in because Brazil was building some chances. But... Uh, you had to win this game, and you did. And now you're able to put you in a spot where you're facing the weakest team of the three, only needing a draw to win the She Believes Cup. <laughs> and I, if anything, I, I, Argentina played pretty well against Canada. They didn't give up a goal until the 90-plus minute. But I think that this team is going to be able to break down Argentina. And if they don't, if they have trouble with that too, then uh, then this would be kind of like a consistent thing here with the three games of getting tons of chances and just not being able to put the ball in the back of the net. Um, obviously, expectations are higher for the women's team, so you get people kind of ready to jump off a balcony whenever uh, 
you know, it's it's nil-nil for the first however many minutes. Luckily, Chris Press was able to pull some of that pressure off by making it 1-0 early on. But then, you know, you get to 1-0 halftime. I saw people complaining about it not being good enough. Brazil's a good team. So is Canada. That, you know, to be able to win those matches without even some of your best players playing the full 90 and some of them not even being in form, I think just takes for shows us how much we take this women's team for granted here. And I really don't want to do that because at some point this run is going to stop. And this run is going to stop at some point because the women's game is going to catch up in other spots around the world. We may always have the best national team or, uh, you know, some of the best athletes. But at some point, some of these teams are going to start funneling more money into it. We've even seen the English league start throwing some more money into it, uh, which is going to make their players better, which is going to make England better, which is, you know, and you're just going to start seeing this game continue to grow. The Women's Champions League, which has been, you know, got a TV deal over here now as well and seeing some of those matches over the summer. So it's going to be building. And at some point, this run of this women's team with the... (laughs) Uh, you know, the the two World Cups and a lot of She Believes Cups and some Olympic victories, et cetera, is going to come to an end uh, under this era. And we're going to have to reevaluate and readjust at some point. You know, it looks like we don't have a lot of that youth players going forward. I know Sophie Smith came in into this match. I feel like she just took so many touches at times uh, when she could have probably taken some more shots. Uh She's still only like 20 years old, so that's going to, you know, she's going to get better at that. But I remember, you know, when we were saying goodbye to the generation of Abby Wambach, you know, that we had all these young players starting to come in like Alex Morgan and, you know, Chris, uh, yeah, Kristen Press and all these players starting to come through. And uh, it's just a little worrying about the future there. And that's why I'm like, so just soak it up, everybody. Just soak this up. The, if they play the Olympics, if that actually goes through, uh, they may not win it. But just enjoy watching this team while we can because this is not going to last forever. This this amazing run is going to go away at some time. And uh, I'd hate to see people picking everything apart during these matches and just not enjoying this ride that's going to come to an end maybe soon. Yeah, you start to, I mean, you're you're starting to see, like you said, like when Sophie Smith comes on, like I think that that's, that's that changing of the guard, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's all these legendary players, they're starting to get to a point where they're not going to be as strong as they once were. And you're starting to see that with Rapino and you're starting to see that with Carly Lloyd and, and players like that. I mean, it's, it's starting to become the end of an era. I think the same thing with the win that like we watched the men's national team do the same thing. They go through these cycles and, you know, theirs was before this and that that's, you know, it's tough as a national team because you're like, okay, now you got to start turning your focus to some of these young players. And I know the commentators were making, uh, you know, they were kind of like, Oh, I'm surprised that that, uh, Sophie is coming on at this point. But I I think that's a game you kind of got to put her on. I mean, she made a nice, right when she comes in, she makes a really nice uh, play in the box where she keeps the ball at her feet and she loses a defender going towards goal. Mm-hmm. Um, she just, she again, took too many touches and, and that's you. That's youth. Like that's, yeah, that, that's so recognizable as youth. Like she's going, okay, I, I can get closer to goal. Oh, nope. never mind. And then the defender has the ball by then. So I, I like what you say though, about J, JP uh, saying that on the broadcast about like surprise, she came in yeah. because I thought this was 
like I said, the perfect time. You're up 1-0 against Brazil. I know you mm-hmm. want to win the match to win the cup, but this cup is ultimately meaningless. Mm-hmm. And the players don't think that, obviously. So if you can put her in a situation that's meaningful at the time, but mm-hmm. is preparing her maybe for the Olympics or seeing yeah. if she's got what it takes to make the Olympic roster, right? I think that that can really help you. And I, I don't blame you know, uh, Vlatko for, for making that move. And they were just talking about, like, in the broadcast, and actually I noticed it right before they said it. Uh, there was one play, and, and Julie Ertz, she had, like, the ball, and she cleared it finally. Like, it bounced around a couple times. But you could just tell that the back line and Julie, and then I think it was, I think it was also, uh, I think it was Christian Press that was back there. And they you could just tell they were walking it back towards the mid the midfield. So it was, you know, that you could just tell they were worn out. It was the 65th minute, and that's when she comes on. Uh, but uh, you do. You're, I mean, these players aren't up to speed yet. They're not. A lot of them are out of shape because they haven't been in their seasons yet. A lot of them are coming back off an off season or off this really long layover from quarantine or whatever it's been. I mean, this team still looks like the dominant force that they are. It's just you're, you're starting to see some of these other players because um, Muse isn't even there. I mean, the, the other Muse. Um, so it's, you know, you're missing players, you're missing some depth, you're missing players that would normally play. And, and again, like you said, that, that you can't expect all these players to keep continuing the speed in which they are. Um, I'm actually surprised Alex Morgan is as quick as she's ever, I mean, she's quick, uh, which, you know, that, that's always good when you see her getting in behind the line because of how quick she gets around. But again, as she gets older too, it, it, it's going to start to tail off some. So it's, it's good that we have these players. I, I didn't get the criticism. It's a it's a friendly game. It's a, you know, I know it's in the She Believes Cup and they're trying to win it, but that was a perfect time, especially an attacking player. I mean, you know, if they're if they're messing up, they're not scoring goals. It's not like you know, or they're not pressing up high and it gets loose. But I thought she did okay. Like I thought she for a twenty year old, that was a pretty good performance. Yeah. So let's talk about the the future here. We have. Uh... A game on Wednesday at 7 o'clock against Argentina. Like I said before, the weakest team were perceived to be the weakest team in these matchups. Wasn't it actually supposed to even be there originally? And all they have to do is is draw against them. And they are, she believe, cup winners. Uh, so I would think that the expectation is that that's going to happen, right? It's set up very well for uh for the usa to do so uh brazil is on three points canada is on three points if one of them wins it's going to be six points you already have six you just need one uh hopefully you win and you win three nothing four nothing you know brazil beat this team four one um canada struggled against them but uh, I think we have what it takes, and I think the USA will win handedly here and be She Believes Cup champions probably by halftime. Yeah, they've, they had good success. I was reading this. Uh, the United States has scored a combined 15 goals over the two games that they've played against Argentina, winning one 8-1 to one and 7-0. to zero. Um, Kristen Press is known to, to score. She had four goals... I think in a tournament against Argentina against the women's national team, um, they've won. What is it? Well, I sent you that note. It was thirty-six straight competition wins. Something um, like that. And Vlatko hasn't lost since he's been there. He's fifteen and zero. 
I mean, it, <laughs> it's like a perfect storm and, and, and playing the weakest team on a tournament where obviously fatigue is setting in. You, you saw it some with the last game against Brazil. That press is not as pressing. Right, you're uh, only playing. You're like playing this. every three days. I right. think they said World Cups for the women is every four days. Yeah, it's every so, four days. Yeah. yeah. So, like, you know, that, this isn't normal for any standards, uh, except over maybe this last year. So, a lot of these women are um, obviously not in in season form, and <laughs> they're being thrown out there every third day. Uh, not to mention they have training and all these travel restrictions and everything else that they've had to deal with. Yeah, I have a I have a dinner I'm going to tomorrow, uh, but hopefully, hopefully uh, I get out of there at a decent time to be able to watch watch this uh, match. I will try to record it as well and see if I can uh, enjoy this match. I'm really looking forward to it. This has been a great tournament. I really like it. I, I mean, it's one. It's getting our it's filling our void of of any national team games that are that are meaningful like i feel like you know these aren't as meaningful as obviously the qualifiers or obviously the the world cup stuff but i think it's a fun tournament i think it's a tournament against teams that we we rival against so it's you know if japan comes then it's a a, a huge tournament honestly i think it's a really good tournament um and that's not speaking to how poorly argentina's been but i i think it's no, it's a fun mat. It's fun. They're fun matches to watch. They're fun to see some of the young players get some experience, and I think you're starting to see that new generation. Like you said, they're, we're finally getting to see it on, on the stage that we'll be seeing it on for the next, you know, eight to ten years, hopefully. All right. Also, what just released earlier today as well is the uh, Olympic qualifying uh, preliminary rosters. Uh, for the USA and and Mexico and uh, all the teams in there. Uh, I'm trying to see if I can locate them. I just had them up. Do you know where they are? Uh, I tweeted them, and I also sent them through a text to you. I will check our Twitter, I guess. Let me go there. I was going to say, Twitter has it, and I sent a text to you that had it, but I don't remember if it was photos or if it was a link. I'm pretty sure it was a link. Um that we sent. No, I was I was sitting at okay, one here and I saw them. Yeah. Okay, so let's just go ahead and, and read through these names here. Um, I've seen some people say there were some snubs. I don't see too many here, so let's go ahead and go through it. We got Brendan Aronson wearing the number, number one, apparently. Uh, or <laughs> he's number one on the roster, if, if so. And number um, one in your heart. Yeah, says his, <laughs> says his club is the Union still. I think that's funny. Uh, Efren... Efrain Alvarez from LA Galaxy. He was caught up on the Mexican squad as yeah, well. Yeah, that'd be fun. Mm-hmm. Uh, Frankie Amaya, uh, Amaya from uh, FC Cincinnati, who asked for a trade recently. Uh, Julian Araujo from LA Galaxy. Cole Bassett from the Rapids. We talked about him in our Rapids Love it. George Bello from Atlanta United. Gia, uh, Gianluca Busio from SKC. Drake Callender from Inner Miami. He's a goalkeeper. Caden Clark from the Red Bulls. Cade Cowell from the Earthquakes. Conrad De La Fuente from Barcelona. Jao de Souza from Sport Club Internacional Brazil. 
Hassani Dotson from Minnesota United, Kyle Duncan from Red Bulls, Jeremy Abobasi from Portland Timbers, Marco Farfan from LAFC, Jesus Fiera from FC Dallas, Matthew Freeze, goalkeeper from Philadelphia Union, Justin Glad from Real Salt Lake, Christopher Gloucester from PS Eindhoven, Aaron Herrera from RSL. We talked about him as well. Um, uh, Abubakar Kaita from Columbus Crew, uh, Frederick Kessler from the Revolution, Jonathan Klinsman from the Galaxy, Brooks Lennon from Atlanta United, Jonathan Lewis from the Rapids, Ulysses uh, Lanez, if I said that right, from Wolfsburg, uh, Benjamin Michel from Orlando City, James Marchinkowski from San Jose Earthquakes. Shout out to Mama Marchinkowski. She there follows us on Twitter. Jordi yeah. Mahalovic from Chicago Fire. David Ochoa from RSL. Keaton Parks from New York City FC. Ricardo Pepe, uh, Pepe from FC Dallas. Andres Piera from Orlando City. Mauricio Pineda from Chicago Fire. Donovan Pines from DC United. Brian Reynolds from AS Roma, formerly FC Dallas. Miles Robinson from Atlanta United. James Sands from New York City FC. Sebastian Saucedo from Pumas, Mexico. Brady Scott from Austin FC. Brandon Cervania from FC Dallas. Sebastian Soto from Norwich City. Francis Tanner from FC Dallas. Austin Trusty from the Rapids. Sam Vines from the Rapids. Eric Williamson from the Timbers. And Jackson Yule from the Earthquakes. That's one hell of a list. <laughs> that's that's impressive. Like, I mean, you know, obviously rose-colored glasses, but that's that's some high-quality talent for kids under 223. Um, I mean, we talked about a couple of these guys that just stand out. I mean, Jonathan Lewis, obviously, uh, Brian Reynolds. I didn't know that Sebastian right. Soto was the one from Norwich. Yes. I actually just watched him play. He's pretty good. So, I mean, God, and... And again, the United States with goalkeepers, we just have it cornered. I mean, Marchinkowski, you had Ochoa. Um, who's the guy? What the freeze from Union, right? Yeah. So, and Klinsman from LA Galaxy. Right. But I don't he think really, he's good enough. Yeah. But I mean, Ochoa is like up and coming, supposed to be one of the yeah, top yeah. goalkeepers. I would actually think, uh, I saw some people think that Matt Freeze might be the starting goalkeeper. I would I would think Marchinkowski would probably be the. He actually had starting. He started a lot yeah. of for for San Jose. Well, he's having to, that weird battle with yeah. Um, compared to like Freeze, you know, he's kind of been blocked by Blake. Yeah. Uh, you know, I, I I would think that Marchinkowski would be the starting goalkeeper if he gets called in. Uh, you know, this is just the preliminary. Right. This is going to be cut down as well, so we'll see how that goes. I don't know what it's going to be cut down to. There's, this, these are 48 names here, so I'm not sure how many you're supposed to have for Olympic qualifiers. Mm. Um, and then again, you're going to have to cut it probably down even more for Olympics. So should be a good time. I'm looking forward to it. Yeah, I'm excited. I can't wait. I need some. I need some U.S. Men's National Team as I've got my uh, women's national team fix in, and they're going to keep yeah. playing. I need my men's back now, so 
we were it was like we were getting uh, with the men's it was like we were getting our feet wet and then they would like oh no we, we can't play anymore because all these guys are overseas or stuck somewhere but it sounds like we're going to finally get some some guys back over here to be able to play in some of these games so that'll be a lot of fun to watch yeah yeah i hope so well I think that about wraps us up here. If we do have some people uh, on the show next week, it will probably be like uh, LA Galaxy, um, maybe yeah, Seattle, Port- Portland, Minnesota, yeah. Kansas City. We have, those are like the remaining teams. We have Dallas as well, but with all their situation, we kind of been we might come back around to them later uh, with everything going on in uh, Texas. So uh, yeah, I think that about wraps us up. Anything else that was on your mind uh, today? Yeah, I, I do want to obviously send out thoughts to Jordan Morris. Um, yes, yeah, we haven't even talked about that. Right, that's not, you know, that that was something I was just sick. I, I, and, uh, you know, I was trying to actually find the game. I mean, it was literally, I was trying to find the game to watch, and it was like, I follow, and I was like, I'm not doing all that sign-in stuff and free trials, whatever they have to do. So I switched it over uh, to the, um, I switched it over to Barnsley game because DK was playing, but then I got that horrible text and, God, you just feel awful for him just because of that first injury and he comes back and and becomes the best player uh, in the MLS and mm-hmm. and gets his shot. And I loved what Doyle and Goss and all of them were saying uh, in Extra Time Pod that they were talking about, you know, this might not even have been his dream. And, and knowing Jordan, obviously, it's a, like not well, this isn't the only thing that was his dream. His dream was becoming the best in the MLS because he's had offers to go places and yeah. play in Europe, but he's it always just sucks that it's Sounders. at the time that he decided mm-hmm. to pursue that right. is is when this happens. But um, God, you just feel sick for him. I didn't know his dad was a doctor. Yes, at Seattle. Yeah, yeah. Oh. for the club. Uh, right. So you know, for for me, Jordan Morris is one of my favorite U.S. men's players. He's one of my favorite MLS players. So I do wish him a speedy recovery. Uh, and, uh, he's my namesake, you know, we have the same name. So Jordan, uh, so I, uh, you know, I feel for him and I hope that, uh, he comes back stronger than ever. And I do hope he gets another chance maybe to go over there. And if he doesn't, if he does, if he wants to stay here, that's fine. I don't, I don't, I don't care. I don't put that on a mark on people like some of Twitter does, uh, you know, yeah, Landon Donovan played here and, uh, his whole career pretty much and was the best men's player of all time and still is right now. Uh, you know, he may not be the most talented anymore with players like Pulisic and McKenney and all that kind of stuff, but uh, nobody has performed for this men's national team the way Donovan has. So for me, uh, it's still, not even close. Still <laughs> <laughs> right. It's not even close. I mean, when you talk about legends, you talk Landon Donovan, and you talk about the fact that he led that U.S. team to heights that we never had touched before. So, yeah. So uh, we will go ahead and jump off. Now you can find us on Twitter at Stateside Show, Instagram at Stateside Show, Facebook.com slash, you guessed it, Stateside Show, or email us statesideshow at gmail.com. And I did all of that without even looking at it. And we will catch you all next time uh, with maybe the She Believes wrap-up here before we get another preview in. But we will catch you all next time. Throwing his body in, it's going to fall for Ibrahimovic! Oh, come on! Come on! Thank you for listening to Stoppage Time Soccer Show. We hope that you continue to listen to our show as we recap the U.S. men's national team, Americans abroad, 
MLS, USL, this is Stateside Soccer Show presented by Stop It's Time Soccer Show. Have a good one.